are going to finish our series tonight that we've just called 2024, where uh, since the beginning of the month, we have kind of been equipping you with what do you need to know and do if you want this year to be successful and if you want to grow this year. And so week one, we talked about uh, gratitude and praise. We talked uh, the week after that about rest and how, you know, busyness isn't best, but resting with Jesus definitely is. And then uh, when we had 24 last weekend, we talked about a couple other things that kind of went with the series. So we talked about prayer. We talked about, you know, confession and repentance and then uh, and forgiveness. That was such a good message from Paul. And then Paul uh, preached Saturday night about uh, living sin, going and telling people about Jesus. And so tonight I, I have this weird job of saying, okay, what's one more thing? Because it's not like what's one last thing, like boom, you just have the, you know, these five things and you're good. No, like what's one more thing that I can kind of give you if you want to grow and be successful this year? And um, I definitely had to steal this from a fortune cookie um, because a fortune cookie once famously said, you know, if you uh, give someone a fish, you feed them for a day. If you teach someone how to fish, they get to eat for a lifetime. And so what we're going to do is we are going to talk about this book right here. We're going to talk about the Bible because there's so many things that you can learn of like if you want to grow and, and, and what, what to do if you want to grow and, and how to better all of your relationships, you, how to better your relationship with God. Like, like there's all of these things are in here. So I don't have the time to go through every single one of them because then we'd be in the series literally all year. So what I am going to do though tonight is we're going to talk about this. And it's going to be my prayer in my heart that I would try to do everything I can to, to teach you and show you from God's word why you should read it. Now, if you are either not a follower of Jesus or you have been skeptical or, or anything like that, then all of these questions come in to play with this book. And we start to think about questions like, well, you know, either one, like, how do I read it? Why should I read it? Isn't it outdated? Because it says some weird stuff in the first half of it. Um, doesn't it contradict itself? Um, is it really like, should it be the ultimate authority of every aspect of my life? Or is it just for some parts? Didn't they change it? Wasn't it just written by people? And, and so, so we can't trust it. And while those are all amazing questions, and if I even brought up questions I've never even thought of, then oops. But here's the thing. Like, if you have questions about anything with the Bible, like, I'm not going to be able to, to talk about every little thing about this book. And so if you have questions... My, my invitation is that you would talk to me or talk to any of the small group leaders after the service, and then it would be our joy to walk alongside you to find those answers. Like, I don't want anyone to, to have all of these questions and not find the answers, and so we just, like, throw it out and just be like, ah, I don't get it. So, friends, while we're not going to be able to talk about every single thing about this book, this is what my, my prayer and my goal for tonight is to be. And it's uh, our, the big idea for tonight is this. Need love and share God's word like like that is that's where we're going I want you to need love and share God's word we could talk about all the other minute you know details about stuff later but in the 20 minutes uh, 20 yeah 20 more minutes that I have it's gonna be my prayer that I would just open God's word and I would show you how to need God's word love God's word and share God's word so if you are taking notes point number one this is it need God's word as a love letter I want you to need God's word as a love letter. And the, this word need is such a strong word, but I'm using it intentionally because here's what's going to happen. You are going to be fed messages 
all day long from so many different people. You're going to hear things from your friends, from your family, from your parents, from your siblings, from your coworkers, to from your teammates, to your classmates, to us in the room, from myself and from leaders and, and anyone else who possibly imagine. Like all these people in your life are going to tell you things. And on the optimistic side, we would hope that they're telling you good things. They would be encouraging. They would tell you truthful things. But all of us are imperfect. Every person you ever have known and ever will know is not perfect. So we mess up. And so what happens if we say things out of anger or we say things out of gossip or, or, or whatever it is, and we start saying things that maybe hurt or aren't true? So my question is, like, where do you find your identity? Are you going to find it from people or are you going to find it from other things? Like, like, who gets to decide who you are? Uh, your, your quirks and your personalities and your giftings. Like, like, do you let other people tell you who you are? Or does this get to tell you who you are? Because, friends, you are being told messages every day. And you yourself are going to tell messages to yourself all day long. Like, I get it. We're in the winter, and so it's dark and cold and rainy and snowy. And so, like, the whole seasonal depression thing is a real thing. And so, like, like text somebody and let them know you love them. Because it is miserable out there. And so we're so hard on ourselves, and we tell ourselves things like, you're dumb. You're too skinny. You're too fat. You're too weak. You are, like, no one likes you. Like, all of your friends, they just tolerate you. I bet your parents regret having you. Uh, the world would be a better place without you. No one would forgive you. It, if they really knew what you did, they won't love you. Friends, like these are the things, whether we say them out loud or we just keep them in our heart, and when, in the darkest moments of our life, we start ripping ourselves apart. Like these are the messages we are hearing, and this is why you need God's word. This is why you need God's word, because it's in God's word that we see messages like, does God love you or not? One of my favorite memories, and it was, it was so eye-opening to me, was last year, I think it was around the summertime, we had Move Up Wednesday, and we got this whole new group of sixth graders, love y'all, and I just kind of asked the question, like, does God love you? And I think everyone kind of in the circle was like, yeah, and I said, how do you know? And everyone just kind of goes, hmm, that's a good question. I mean, I know, I, I have a house, that's nice. And so, like, all these people were kind of going around, I just kind of asked them the question, and I, I didn't feel like it was a gotcha question. I was just like, hey, does God love you? Yes. How do you know? That's kind of what I've heard my whole life. So it's in God's word that we hear whether or not God loves you. Spoiler, yes, God crazily loves you. But read this to find out. And there's so many things that I would love to, to point at and show you all these things. And what does God say about you specifically? But there's one that I want to point to specifically tonight. And so let's go to the book of Romans chapter 8, verse 1. As you turn there, here's a quick little timeout. Um, it's on page 531. So if you have one of these blue Bibles, hopefully that helps. Um, but here's a, here's, I'm showing my cards in front of you tonight. One of these days, I'm going to die and I'm going to stand before Jesus and Jesus is going to ask me this question. How did you do with teaching, loving, 
stewarding and shepherding the bridge. Like, God's going to ask me that. And so I'm going to stand before him, and I'm going to give this account of how we did. And so then it's, it's with this, like, like this, this very sobering reminder that I'm going to have to stand for God for how I've led this thing, that I'm telling you that the bridge is, is coming up with, it's not a rule, it's just a, hey, starting today and moving forward, we have some things we're putting in place. And one of those things is, is starting today and moving on, if there's ever a time where I preach a message from this stage, we are not going to have the words or the, the verses of the Bible on the screen. And instead, there's always going to be a Bible on your seat or on the seat next to you. And there's a very specific reason why we're going to do that. I get max 26 minutes. Tonight's probably going to be like 28. But, you know, like, you know, 20-something minutes where I get to teach you from God's word some stuff. That is not long enough to, to, to do all of this molding and shaping and all the things that, like, we have all these hopes and dreams about. And so, as a form of leadership, as a form of discipleship, where I'm just going to say, hey, I want, I want to teach you how to read God's word for yourself. And so I'm always going to have the page number, so if you have one of these, I can say, hey, go to page 531. But I want you to get used to flipping there yourself. And reading it for yourself, you can read the verses ahead of it and verses behind it so you can know whether or not I'm taking things out of context. I want you to get used to, to learning, okay, Romans is around there, and if we go to Psalms later, it's like, okay, it's somewhere around there. I want to use all of these things so we can start learning God's word and loving God's word. So that's what we're going in the bridge here on out, okay? But it's with all that joy that we're going to read Romans 8, verse one. We're going to read eight, uh, one and two, and it says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. If you were ever curious if God's disappointed in you or ashamed of you, if you are, if you trust in Jesus, that's what it says, like in Christ, if, if you are a follower of Jesus, you, you can read this and know, hey, there's no condemnation, there's no guilt or shame if I've trusted in Jesus. And then again, one of my favorite parts is at the very end of this chapter. So verse 37, this is what God's word says to those who love Jesus. It says, no, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That's talking about Jesus. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither present, nor future, uh, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And friends, if you are in Christ Jesus, meaning you have trusted in Jesus, this is true for you. And I wish I, we, had, we could have all of eternity to go through and read all of these things about all these awesome things. And so then as, I don't want to call it homework, I want to just offer an invitation. If you want to know what God thinks about you, read this. Because reading God's word isn't a chore if you treat it like it's a love letter from the love of your life. Come on, like let me, let me say that again. Reading this thing isn't a chore, isn't something to check the box off in the morning. If you treat it like it's a love letter from the love of your life. Yes, it is awesome in defense. Like if you start telling yourself these lies of like, man, you're not worthy. 
God doesn't like you or anything like that, then, then yeah, then you can read on defense and be like, no, no, this is what God's word says about you. But you can also proactively read it with joy because you just can't wait to read and see and hear. What does God think about me? I've used this illustration a couple years ago, um, but this has been one of my favorite things to use when I'm talking about the word. So the love of my life, Lydia, got to marry her. It'll be three years in March, which is awesome. And on our wedding day, um, she gave me this book. It was all wrapped, all pretty and stuff, and I'm opening it up, and, and I was like, what is it? So I open it up, and then it dates about a month after we started dating, and it's just a note. And then about every couple of days or so, she would just fill it with different things, and she put, put pictures and stuff from different dates, and there's some prayers in here, and there's, there's literally a thing where it says, like, hey, like, I would marry you if I could. Like, in a perfect world, this literally says, in a perfect world, I would marry you tomorrow. So all of these things, and meanwhile, while we're dating, we're not even engaged or anything, like all of these thoughts that she has about me and, and all of these beautiful things and, and prayers and dreams and hopes and goals and pictures we've taken together, like all of these things are all wrapped up in this book. And so you would call me crazy if this was just sitting on the shelf and I was like, I'll get it later. And you would call me crazier if, I open this up, sit on my table, uh, make my cup of coffee, and I start reading. And then you say, wait, what did you read? I was like, get my reading in today. I would be an idiot if that's how I viewed this thing. So why in the world would we view God's love letters, anything even less than that? Friends, it is an invitation to know what does God think about you. I want to read this over and over and over and find new details and new hints and be like, oh, man, I missed that the first time. Why wouldn't we want to do this and read it again and again and again and again? Friends, I want you to need God's word as a love letter. But point number two, I want you to love God's word as an instruction giver. Love God's word as an instruction giver. Because when we think of the Bible, what do we think of? Well, we think, well, Christianity, all it is is just, it's just following a bunch of rules. It's do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that. And so the Bible especially is just this big old book about just do this, don't do this. All the Bible is is a big old rule book. And to answer that, I would say, I mean, it is a big rule book, but there's also a bunch of history in there. There's poetry. There's a bunch of other stuff. But yes, there's a lot of rules in there. Quick question. Quick question. How many, like, there's, there's, so the Bible split up in two halves, and so there's the Old Testament and the New Testament. The New Testament starts with Jesus. How many laws do you think are in the Old Testament? Just, just shout out a number. Thousand. That's a great number. There's a lot. There's a lot. There is 613 laws in the Old Testament. It's a lot of rules to follow. And so what we do is we'd be like, yeah, yeah, that's just Old Testament stuff, though. The New Testament, now we got Jesus. We got less rules. We just got to love God, love people. That's it. How many laws do you think are in the New Testament? Like six or something? Five? There's over a thousand. So the New Testament's even shorter, and there's more rules. So here's what's crazy. It's, it's so easy just to be like, yeah, the Bible is just a big old rule book. 
when instead, here's what's so crazy, like why, we have to ask, like why did God give us these rules? Because they're in there for a reason. And friends, like the, the, the simplest answer I can give you is that it is designed, like God's rules are designed to protect you, protect other people, and for the good of the world. That's, that's kind of the shortest one. Like, like if there's ever a law in the Bible, it's for your good, other people's good, or just the good of the whole world as a whole. So there isn't anything that will harm you in this book if we all just followed the rules. But there is a verse that I want to make sure that we point out when it comes to talking about God's rules. And so um, go to John 14, verse 15. 14, verse 15. John 14, 15. It is on page 508, if that's helpful. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Boom. Page 508. And Jesus himself says this. Uh, John 14, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commands. If you love me, keep my commands. God is literally, simplest way possible, saying this. If you love God, you will do what he says. But how will you know what he's saying if you don't read it? How will you know what, like, God, what do you want me to do? Read this. I don't know. Just, it's, he, he literally gave us this for a reason. But the hard part is, is that most of us, we, we don't think of the Bible as just some love letter. We, we, we think of it as just this massive rule book. We think, man, God, all he wants us to do is just follow these rules. So it's just kind of a, this big old playbook. It's, it's something like this. We, we think, okay. The Bible is just over the, you know, the weight of my own child. It's huge. It's really pretty. Um, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. The, the language is a little bit confusing. Like, let me rip this. Eastward were six Levites, northward four a day, southward four a day, and toward a suppum, two and two. At Parbar, westward, four at the causeway, and two at Parbar. That's First Chronicles 23, 15 to 16. This is what we think the Bible is like when we just think it's a big old, it's a big old book. It's just, the language doesn't make sense. It's nerdy. It's dorky. I need to set it down because it's hurting my forearms right now. But, like, yeah, listen to that. Good, yeah. And so then what's, what's going to happen? You're going to hear a message like this and be like, hey, just go read the Bible. And especially if you're new, you're going to open it up and you're going to be like, okay, where do I start? And then you start reading it. Especially like, you know, so I'm doing like the Bible in the year right now. And we just got to like all the rules and stuff. And I'm like, oh, Lord, here we go. Put this in here for a reason. Let's read it. And so then what we'll do is we'll just, we'll, we'll quit because it just doesn't make sense. And it's hard. But my encouragement is, is don't stop. Keep going. Like find, find a, a Bible reading plan or, or, or talk to other people. Read with other people. Like there's so many things that can, help, that can be helpful. And we can talk about those um, in your small group. But this is why we should keep reading God's word. Go to Psalms chapter 1. Psalms chapter 1. So Psalms is like the biggest book in your Bible. And it's right kind of in the front. It's page 249. So yeah, we can kind of go right there. Psalms 249. Uh, Psalms chapter 1. We'll start in verse 1. On page 249. And it says this. Blessed. Meaning if you want to be blessed, what do you do? Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners 
take, uh, yeah, stand in the way of sinners sake or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight, whose enjoyment, who, who loves the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. And that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither and whatever they do prosper. It says the person who loves God's word and thinks about it all the time, that person is blessed. That person produces fruit. That person has life. And whatever that person does, it prospers. And friends, I want that. And I want that for you. I want you to be blessed. And I want you to have this good life. And it starts by loving this and reading this and thinking about this all the time. So I'm calling you today to need God's word. I'm calling you today to love God's word. And last thing I want you to do is I want you to share God's word. Point number three, share God's word as an eye-opener. And we're going to see this in 1 Peter chapter 23. If you have one of these blue books, just like go to the back and then go forward a little bit. It's, it's right there pretty much. 1 Peter, it's on page 532. Sorry, 569. There it is. Getting ahead of myself. 1 Peter, he's writing to these people that they, they're Christians, and but they're facing so much persecution. People are killing them for being Christians. And yet, how would you convince someone to be a Christian if they are killing Christians? It sounds impossible. How do you get someone to believe in God? And this is what it says, verse 23. 1 Peter 1, 23 says, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. So check this out. If you are a Christian today, like you are a Christian right now, so you, you are a follower of Jesus, you, you have surrendered your life to him as Lord. You said, like, Jesus, you are the king of my life. Whatever you want, it's all yours. I believe you are the son of God that came to the world to live this perfect life that I could never live, to die on the cross for my sin, the death that I deserve. You were buried and you rose again three days later. And if you trust and you call out to him and say, will you forgive me of my rebellion against you? It says that you are saved. That means you are a Christian now. Check this out. There is not a single one of us in this room that is a Christian unless, except for, by hearing or reading the word of God. You are only a Christian because you heard from someone saying it or read the word of God. And there is no exception. Because check this out. God's word in 1 Peter says you have been born again through the living and enduring word of God. And so you heard uh, Paul, if you were here on 24, he was preaching about why we should tell people about Jesus. How we get this joy that comes from evangelizing to others. But then we also, like, are commanded to go tell other people about Jesus. And so then, of course, like, on the application side, there's all these things of, like, well, what, I don't know what to say. How do I go about this? Like, what's the best way to do it? Do I need to draw stuff or do I just tell them? Like, all these things. What if I'm not a good public speaker? And here's kind of the, the easy, like, maybe first step if you're scared. I don't know what to do. Friends, just get them to read this. It, like, and this isn't in my notes, but um, Lydia and I, we have friends in the Middle East right now. Like, I mean, we're talking about, like, Iraq, 
like north of Baghdad, like they are missionaries. Do you know how like in their training, how they get people to, how do you convince the, the strongest of Muslims that their family would disown them and possibly even kill them for being Christian? How do you evangelize to those, pe- to those people? And they say, we just try to get them to read the Bible. If we can get them to read the Bible, God will do the rest of it. And we'll have conversations, there's community, there's all of these things, but their, their plan of evangelism is just to get them to read the Bible because we are born again through hearing or reading the living and enduring word of God. So for you, yes, we should go tell people about Jesus. And if you don't know how to do that, get your friends to read this. If you don't know how to do that, you know, you go start a first priority club or you, you start a little Bible study hangout with your friends or, you know, you read before school or after school, or you, you know, you like whatever it is, you just start saying like whatever it takes. If you want to, your friends to know about Jesus, get them to read this. Get them to read this because hearing and reading God's word is how people get saved. But I, it's not just in first Peter. Let's go to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. This is one of my favorite passages. And and Romans chapter 10 is page 532. Romans chapter 10 is is where we get one of the most famous verses that we say all the time. It's on page 532. Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 9. God's word says that if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Uh, Verse 11, as scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Praise God, that's awesome. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord over all and richly blesses all who call on him. And here's this awesome hope. Verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You, your friend, the person you hate, the person you love, your family member, like your classmate, whoever it is, if they call on the name of the Lord, they will be saved. But look at verse 14, because like this is why I love having your word in front of you. You can just see how we're not making this up. It just flows all together. And it says, verse 14, how then, like if anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, well then how can they call on the one that they don't believe in? How can they believe in one in whom they haven't heard about? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? How can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Talking about Jesus. Verse 16. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? But in verse 17, check this out. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Friends, do you do you lack faith? Do you want more faith? Do you want your friends to believe in God? Read this. Read this. And that is like, because there's just this special thing that God has saved about his word, that this is how people get saved. In the book of Ephesians, it says about like the, the eyes of our heart being open when we get saved. And, and that is how we are able to read this. And God's word is an eye-opener. If you want to be saved, if you are not saved and you want to be saved, you want to say yes to Jesus, you want to believe, read this thing. 
And if you want your friends to believe in Jesus, then have them read this thing. But how do I know? How do I know that it's, it's the word? How do, how do I know that it's this thing? And it's either the preaching and it's, it's the hearing of this thing. How do I know? And I, I've told one story about how it was my mentor. He set out to disprove the Bible. He's like, there's inconsistencies. I'm going to disprove it. I'm going to prove you guys all wrong. And he came to know the Lord through reading the Bible. But all of us have gotten a front row seat at Mr. Cruz that got dunked on Sunday. I asked him, I was like, hey, like, hey, is it cool if I share your story? And Because and, most of us know Cruz. Like, we've, we've seen him for the last two years. And he came, and he's like, yeah, like, I mean, God, God's real. But, like, I, I just want to, I don't want to do everything. I don't want to give up everything for him. Like, he's not, he's not my Lord, not my king. Like, and for years, like a year and a half, this guy came and came and came. And we loved him as best as we could. And he kept coming and kept coming, had fun, family time was awesome, all the good stuff. Went to camp. And it was there that he heard, and he, he was like, believe that, yeah, like, God, like, for sure is real, and he actually cares. But I'm, I ain't ready, I ain't ready to dive, dive all into this. So when he came back, and, and I'm like, okay, I, God, I thought camp was it. I don't know what's special about camp, but I literally thought camp was going to be it. So I'm just a little frustrated. What are you waiting for? Cruz, what are you waiting for? And Cruz just like, I don't know, I'm just not ready for camp. I'm like, okay. And then it was the following week, we were in this Unashamed series, and I was like, the homework was like, hey, like, let's go, like, read Ephesians together. And then on Sunday, Jernigan, he, he's walking, he, Pastor Jernigan, he's walking back with Cruz, and Jernigan goes like, hey, I have, like, good news for you. And I was like, what? He's like, hey, like, Cruz, like, surrendered his life to Jesus today. And I picked him up, and I twirled him around, and all these things, and it was the most uncomfortable, like, hug that either he's gotten and I've given and, and so, like, the turn around, I was like, okay, what was it? I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm not mad. Like, I'm very grateful. I'm super happy. Like, I'm pumped up. Like, okay, praise God. Why? Like, what was the thing? And I remember he said that Sunday morning, dude, it, we, were, we were just reading Ephesians, and it just kind of just made sense. And I was like, oh, come on. It's almost like God said in his word that it's through his living, enduring word that people get born again. Come on. Friends, if you want to have faith, read this book. If you want your friends to have faith, have them read this book. Friends, I want you to need, love, and share God's word. And so if you are not a follower of Jesus, like the application, like what do you do with all this is super clear. Like, do you want to believe in God? And you're just kind of hesitant? My question is this, then, like, will you just read this and just wait? All of us are just going to be like, oh, yeah. Like, you know, like, read this. If you want to believe, then read this. And if you are a follower of Jesus, need God's word, love God's word, and then go share God's word. God, we pray that, that, that we would all do this, like, I pray that starting with myself, that, that I would never, ever view just getting into your word as a chore or just a check-the-box type of thing. God, I pray that we, as a ministry, from, from all the leaders and the students, that, that those who, who claim to follow you, that we would be people that would love your word. I pray that we would be people that are eager to share your word with other people. And not just 
for our personal perks or anything like that, but God, for your glory. Your word has just been saved for us, for us to see who you are, and you are awesome. And you say such kind and beautiful things about us in this book. So God, would you please help us to read your word, to love your word. Pray that we would go and share your word. For your glory, for our joy, 